Blog Talk Radio. Language Pathologist, and welcome to Teach Me to Talk, the podcast. We have such an exciting show for today because like we did last week, today we're following up with a recent guest who was on the show. This is show number 334, and she was on show 329, so about five weeks ago, uh, and there has been some good progress with a little girl that uh, this speech pathologist is seeing. So we decided on that show, which is something I've been doing routinely, is saying to the person, hey, here are all these ideas, and I want you to come back and tell us if this worked or not, so that if it didn't, we can rearrange and try some new stuff, or because if it did, we want to celebrate those successes and really demonstrate <laughs> to <laughs> listeners that, hey, this stuff really works. So it's almost always better when we're talking about a real live kid instead of somebody's previous experiences or things that are in the past. So we're keeping it real and right here in the present. And so we have Kendra back with us. Hi, Kendra. Hi, Laura. <laughs> so glad to have you back. So why don't you remind everybody kind of the scenario, what was going on with this little girl. She's about, she's two, so she, is she closer to two and a half? I can't really remember. So you just fill us in with all these details, and we'll pick up where we left off. So she is a two-year-old girl that I picked up um, about six months ago for receptive and expressive language delays. Um, I did find out recently that she does have fluid in her right ear, so we're waiting to um, see what the outcome of that is. But during therapy, a lot of inconsistency in her play skills and um, just all over the place, running away, and she seems to enjoy an activity, and she's laughing, but then she's running away. So a lot of trouble um, just keeping her engaged in one activity for longer than sometimes 30 seconds. Yeah. And, you know, for parents who are listening to this and thinking 30 seconds, there are some people who would say, man, 30 seconds, that's a long time because my kid never stays yes, so that's long. true. <laughs> and therapists, no therapist would have any trouble believing what you've said because lots of our little friends who are late talkers, that's kind of the reason that they're late talkers because they're so busy and their little systems are just on go, 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 go. And, again, that inconsistency with you think they like it, they seem to be there, they seem to be with you, and then, boop, they're gone. And so right. with kids like that, I always think, well, no wonder you're not talking because you're not staying in one place long enough to retain any of this or to attend and then hopefully store it in that little memory bank so that you remember next time or we hear it again or what you know whatever domain that we're looking at there. Um, but it's really uh, shocking for some parents for you to say, she only stays 30 seconds, and then um, I can't really get her anymore. So if you are a parent and you're in that situation and you think, well, you know, my kid stays with me for a long time, count yourself really, really lucky because mm -hmm. the attention span is kind of the foundational piece. And so that's what we spent a lot of time talking about last time. So that's kind of where she was. So... What's happened? So we we talked about a lot of different things, a lot of different strategies. So I don't think you're going to have any problem, Kendra, if I know you as well as I think I know you, with me just kind of turning <laughs> the floor over to you and saying, 
What happened? How was that? What's been different? What did you change? And then what's going on now? So So I had that conversation with mom about um, attention again, and I think that that's going to be – an ongoing discussion. I don't think she had really thought about that before. So I kind of talked to her about attention and why it's needed and how it's needed really as a lifelong skill. And I kind of used that to segue into um, occupational therapy, which is something that mom hadn't thought of. And I don't know that she's going to be receptive to that idea. So I'm still kind of waiting to see. Let me interrupt just a second. Now, why do you think that is? Do you think that's – and here's here's my line of thinking with this. Some parents don't want another service because they're busy and they're, they feel like they're already at their limit, and one more visit in a week or two-week period or even a month feels like a lot, even though you kind of think, okay, it's just one hour, I know you blow that or whatever. And, again, I'm not being unkind to this mother. I'm really kind of talking about parents that I've – Treated before, I always kind of try to drill down with what is the reason for the resistance with another service. Do you think it's that she doesn't understand what OT is? She thinks this is all kind of the same and we all have the same skill set. I mean, do you know why she's not as receptive to that suggestion? Yes, because she told me because of um, work. So she works 12-hour days, and I think that that would just – Yeah, kind of. So I kind of said to her like this, well, you know, you only have the special instructor every other week. So maybe we could have, you know, the occupational therapist come every other week. And then that way, it would just be two services um, every week. But I don't know. She said she was going to talk to her um, husband about it. And um, I haven't followed up only because here in Pennsylvania, a lot of our service coordinators will only um, add consults or services at a three-month period. So okay. that is where we are. The the service coordinator just kind of said, well, we can talk about that at the three-month period, but not or the six-month period, but we can't not not going to address it now. Right. You know, and here's the other thing: with some more time for mom to really reflect on that and kind of go back and forth with it, she may turn around and be a lot more willing to to add another service when she's had a few days or weeks or mm-hmm. to really think about it. So that's not necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes I think that we can push a parent into the wrong decision just by insisting that they make a decision rather right. than saying, hey, here it is. I want you to think about it. I want you to talk about it and really just kind of give them time. And some of us are pretty impulsive and we make rash decisions with hardly any forethought that we just do. Right. But, you know, most of us mature people hopefully don't do that, and I tend to kind of fall in that impulsive category where I think yes or no right away. Uh, But, you know, she really just might need some more time to kind of process through that and really think, how would this look? How would this work? So that's Right. Would I be able to handle this? Right. 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 And 12-hour days, I mean, my goodness, that's huge. I mean, that's a big mm – that's a full oh, it is. Plate for oh, it is. Yeah. 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 Especially okay. when you have a daughter who um, isn't really napping very well during the day for you when you are at home and then is kind of still getting up intermittently at night. So, yeah, that is a rough schedule. Yeah, really, really rough. And I feel for moms that are in that situation. And she, she really might be doing all that she can. And so if mm-hmm. she doesn't add OD, 
what's your plan on that? Are you, are you? I mean, I know what my plan would be. I would just think, okay, well, here's another thing for me to tackle. <laughs> here's another yeah, thing for me right. to try to <laughs> take on, you know. <laughs> Yeah, and that, and that's kind of kind of what we've done. We've definitely um, incorporated your move, sit and move um, philosophy. That along with that um, email that I think Jessica sent in from ABA. So I definitely figured out that she definitely. Um, so she runs away obviously for sensory um, input, and then she's also not running away as far, but definitely backs away when I introduce things. Um, I don't know that are new and that maybe she doesn't understand. And then she kind of goes a little bit away from me, maybe like 12 feet. But in in that instance, um, I have been able to get her to come back. But when it's the sensory, she's gone. So we've definitely done the move. You can differentiate, you know, this is, she's running now because she needs this input. And then same behavior. She's running now because this is unfamiliar and, you know, those are two really different mm-hmm. contexts, two really different motivations for her behavior there. And so that's great that you tease that out because you, you can't, I don't think you can really do the same, uh, provide the same intervention for both of those things. I mean, it's both running, but for the, when she's running because she needs sensory input, you've got to give her the sensory input. And when she's mm-hmm. running because even she doesn't understand it, well, then you got to, double down <laughs> mm-hmm. and really, really explain it and give her, you know, that slower warm-up. And that's confusing for us with kids who are so busy because we don't think that they need that slower warm-up time. If she were cowering in her mom's lap, you would know, oh, I've got to be cautious and I've got to go slower and I've, I can't have big abrupt changes and I need to keep most of our stuff familiar you know, you would know that, but then when a kid mm-hmm. is just all over the place, you think, "Woohoo, bring it on!" You know, it, right, it, right. The more the, be- the better, yeah. Right. And, and right. so that's kind of what I've done with her. Like I know now when she needs a sensory break, so then we get up and we move around, or we do a sensory activity, and then I know when it's something that I've introduced that's too hard for her, or an expansion on something that we've done, and she backs away, then I don't get up, and I just. I've been calling her back to me and she's and or just keep revisiting that same um toy over and over and over again and that's been working right. well. She's been very receptive to that. Mhm. That's fantastic. So you've got to yes. really get her to the point where she understands what's going on mm-hmm. and then she participates better. So yay. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so move sit move sit. Talk about that a little bit because it's huge for me. And if mm-hmm. anybody is listening, if you don't know what we mean by that, what we talked about in the previous show is that you do some, you change things up so that you're moving, you're up doing a little social game or a physical activity, something like that, and then you come back down and do a sit-down play activity or a social game when you're, when you're seated, and then after a few minutes you get up and do something physical again, and then you're back. And it's, it's really, I think, the best model for all kids who are toddlers and preschoolers because it does address their naturally short attention spans and gives them that opportunity for that frequent input, which does keep them calmer and more regulated overall than if we just expected them to sit in one one little place the whole time. So talk about what you all have been doing for how that looks in your sessions. 
So we started off with Ready, Set, Go, and she picked that up um, pretty quickly. So waiting, you know, until I said go before we could run off together to to a corner and then doing it again, Ready, Set, Go, to come back. Um, so we've been doing that, and then we've been doing um, puzzles. Mm-hmm. So as a sit-down activity and um, Mr. Potato Head. And then the other move activities that we've been doing is, so I think I told you before we were doing Ride a Little Horsey, which mom claims that she loves, but here's what I've deduced, is that that is too wordy for her. Oh, too, yeah. too much blah, blah, blah. Because I tried right. row, row, row your boat, and she 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 was out of there. It was like the Charlie Brown teacher, wah, wah, wah. Like right. that's probably exactly. what, what she heard. So we started doing um, up and down mm-hmm. uh, with her on yeah. my knees. And so yeah. that was a good one. We did that for a couple weeks, and so now she'll actually initiate that, and she'll say, mm-hmm. I don't think she has the final P, but she's saying up, up, up when she wants right. you to do it. And she's doing it with mom, and she's also generalized up, to um, her special instructor when they were playing with the ball. So that's exciting. That's very exciting. Very good. So are you? So let's talk about this. So have you just decided to pretty much modify and simplify lots of your language with her? So with other little games, you're really figuring out, you know, that's just like you, I use that all the time, too much blah, blah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for row, row your boat, well, here, here's where I'm going with that. I'll still do another routine like row, row your boat or ride a little horsey, but I just don't say anything except those keywords for row, row your boat. I just say row, 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 you know, and just keep it very, very simple. You know, one or That's two a good words idea. for ride a little horsey, you know, just you know, ride that horsey, ride that horsey, uh-oh, down, you know, whatever, whatever I'm just saying right. off the top of my head. And, you know, that's that's another way to do it. It's still kind of introduce a new routine. And then when you have the new routine going, over time you can add those extra words. And then because she's already comfortable with with how the game goes, they don't seem to be as reactive when you're yeah. kind of added in a little bit at a time. So just an idea there. No, and that is a good idea because I had kind of abandoned those and was doing other um, social games that were just more simple with more simple language. But um, that's a good idea. I'll I'll try that next time and just incorporate those back in but with just less words. Less words, yeah, because it does sound like she's overstimulated. And, you know, that makes sense, too, with fluid in her ear Mm -hmm. that she – now, do you know has – do you think that's a new occurrence with her, Kendra, or do you think that's chronic? Well, so apparently when you have an ear infection, I guess the the fluid naturally dissipates. But this was an ear infection, I want to say, when she was like nine or ten months old and she's two. So, And no doctor had picked up on it. And the reason that we found out is because she went for a hearing test and the audiologist said her right eardrum is just not moving the way it should. So then she went for her two-year checkup. And that pediatrician said, oh, yeah, I think she definitely has fluid in there. So now we're waiting for her to go to the ENT. So they are thinking that this has been longstanding. Well, uh-uh, there's an answer. Yes, right, right. <laughs> or, and, you know, in a lot of – I've had – and I, we were talking before the show. I've had lots of kids 
who had undetected fluid, and like you said, they go to a new provider or a mm-hmm. new, another appointment, and it's discovered, and then moms kind of trace it back to, oh, my goodness, this has been, you know, a year or longer. And so it sounds like that little girl could have had that fluid there for a long, long time. And so that really explains a, a lot, lot of things about her. Yeah, why receptive language is delayed. She's not understanding it because she's not hearing clearly. And here's let me just say this to therapists. We have to help moms and dads know what to ask for when they go to the pediatrician. And so saying things like tympanogram <laughs> to tell the doctor not just to, that you don't want them just to look. You know, if you're saying, please look at her ears because, you know, we're still just trying to figure out what's going on with all of this language delay. And so I know that she had those ear infections before, and I just I know there's some kind of little test that you can do here. And so tympanograms are just really, really important. And I really talk to parents about saying that word and asking a doctor to really do that. And so for parents who are listening, that's where they really measure how the middle ear responds. And it's a really, most pediatricians' offices can do a tympanogram, and then they definitively know. They're not guessing. They're not just looking with a little light in the ear. You know, they know how that child's ear is responding, uh, and, and that gives them much better objective information to go on than just their opinion. So... Mm-hmm. For what it's worth, that you know, giving that word to parents, you know, has she had a tympanogram? And then they always say, "Well, it's a tympanogram," and then you explain it, and they write the word down. And the next time they go to the doctor, they pull it out. And I've had a lot of pediatricians. Who, well, I've had parents who say, "Gosh, the pediatrician said that's a good idea," and they just had not done it before. And I'm not saying that doctors don't routinely do that because they do, but a lot of times. They've missed it. They're, you know, rushing through their day just like all of us do. So we have to sometimes provide a little bit more direction there. So, again, for what it's worth. Yeah, and I think the doctor even said to her, like, you know, this is something I never would have uh, ever thought because she only had the one ear infection, so I would have never thought to refer you to an ENT. I think that was kind of her way of saying, like, you know, sorry, we missed this. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, oh no. Yeah, but you know, and I, I think it's it's just good for us as therapists to remember that and to mm-hmm. you know cut the doctor a break with, okay, they're seeing a lot of kids in the course of a day, and sometimes they need just a, a different direction. And so, parents, it, for parents who are listening, you know, again, if you do not have an explanation and that is a big deal to you, uh, well, here's another thing: this little girl's problems may not resolve at all until she can hear and Mm -hmm. gets that fluid. Some kids can really tolerate fluid, and some kids can't. And she's obviously a little girl. We know that she can't because she's not talking. She's not understanding language like she should be at two. And so we know that there's been a consequence related to that that fluid that hasn't resolved yet. So it's it's a good point. And that really, I'm so glad that uh, Mom found that out, and, and that's a different avenue to pursue because, as I was telling you before the show, I've had some kids who've gotten tubes, and it has really been like a miracle. You know, a couple of weeks yeah. later, boy, we are, you know, things are falling into place, and the progress is fast. And then you can point back and say, man, those ears, that was it. Often, I think kids, the, the ear infection is just kind of icing on the cake. There are other uh, neurological differences, developmental differences, and the ear infection 
or the ear fluid, mm-hmm. and so it's not always that direct of an improvement, but, you know, sometimes it's just another layer that we have to deal with. Right, right, definitely. Yeah. Okay, so those were your move, sit, move, sit things, and that's done great for her because she's getting an opportunity to get up and move. Now, how has that been for you, Kendra? How, how has that adjustment been for you? Are you worn out at the end of that session? Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> As a matter of fact, last week I said to mom, I said, I hope you know that I am sweating profusely over here. <laughs> this you know, was such, gonna... a, such a workout, that up, down, up, down, man. If you want to get your legs in shape, find a kid and start doing some up, downs. And after like two or three times, you're like, okay, I can feel the burn. <laughs> no. You won't have to go to the gym. If you no, you won't. Schedule them out in week where you've got at least one yes. of those kids a day. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And we t- we laughed about earlier. Those kids were easier earlier in my career. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you have to do it, and it makes such a dramatic difference. And sometimes, you know, just from a practical point of view, from a therapist's perspective, parents may not appreciate this, but we have to think about scheduling. You know, when is my best time of the day? You know, I'm not going to schedule her last on Thursday afternoon or whatever your last day, work day of the, you know, on Friday because I'm exhausted by then. She's got to be early in the day and early in the week. You know what I mean? And when I haven't just eaten lunch, yes, or have to go to the bathroom, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I know, and, you know, you do feel it. You do feel it, so that's just kind of a little side note there. It is a difference, though, and it really makes a big difference with kids who have those little systems that – just or go, 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 go. We have to give that to them and make that a part of therapy. And a lot of times the natural inclination is just to kind of shut it down. But we mm-hmm. need to do the opposite, we need to embrace it and figure out ways to target language and cognition and social skills and all the things we're working on while we incorporate that movement. So, And it's been great because mom, yes, thank you. And it's been great because mom has really um, incorporated that into um, her her daily routine. I mean, I think she says they're doing these things almost daily. Yay! Yes, which is nice. That is nice. I love it. I love it. So it sounds like mom has, that when you were able to go back and talk about the attention piece and talk about here's how we'll address it, it sounds like she, that you've got a lot more partnership there with you two talking about things and really, really really knocking it around, like, let's keep this going during the week and those kinds of things. And I think she was a mom before that was really listening to your suggestions and recommendations. But now it sounds like there's even been a deeper level there. Am I just yes, making which that is up? Nice. Or is that yeah, definitely. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, and that carryover makes a huge difference. Because as, as you've said before, you know, to come in and, and do something for 45 minutes, I mean, you know, that that doesn't make as much of a difference as when parents do these activities every day with their kids. That's what really, yeah, makes the big difference in, in the progress. And then seeing those, not only seeing the words, but seeing them generalized to different um, contexts, which is great. Yeah, and how about that, that word up? You taught her that in the context yeah. of a special game. She used it with the DI with uh, a game they were playing with a ball. So fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah, that was great news. Great, great news. So has the DI seen a change in her, too? So it sounds like you've talked to her, or have, was that information through mom? That was through mom. I've actually, I actually have never met the DI, so. Okay. Okay. That's, yeah. Okay. 
do you all get to do a lot of, in your state, do you do a lot of collaborating and talking to other people? Is that normal for you to kind of be isolated like that? or Yes, like an island I, I all on your own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And unless the mom actually requests, and that's the other thing I said to, to mom going back to OT, I said, you know, I can't say it, but you could also always request that, um, you know, say that you want the service, but it's too much, and maybe we could co-treat together. But that is definitely poo-pooed um, unless the parents request it. And, and, again, that depends on your service coordinator, whether or not you'll get that request honored. Well, but it might be a good idea at the begin if if you do add OT to at least do that at the beginning. Mhm. So that's definitely on that and if she doesn't continue with OT because frankly parents uh, parents don't understand OT like they do speech. I mean, they can figure out she needs to talk, so I've got to let the speech therapist come. But sometimes they don't see that immediate benefit of OT. And so if you could even get some just a short term consultative thing going where you did some co-treatments, then you would have at least another bank of ideas to pull from and another set of eyes on that kid. Who Which is nice. See things. Yeah, always really, really nice, I think. Really nice. Okay, so we talked about moveset. And I, you said something else about mom did some environmental modifications, meaning she moved some furniture around. And that yes, kind of helped. Talk about that. Yeah, so that that was not for my benefit at all, but that was that was divine <laughs> intervention. <laughs> Cuz so oh, I have so I have found that modifying the environment is like the best thing to do when you have a kid who has um a short attention span. So they had brought up another piece of their furniture and it was like, "Oh, hallelujah." So yeah. I could kind of keep her contained between these sofas and then mom would just sit on the other side and then there was a table. Now, don't get me wrong, she still tries to escape, but it's funny cuz you'll see her walking and she'll look at me like, "Are you going to grab me or are you going to yeah. let me go?" But it's much <laughs> easier to keep her involved in that one activity cuz there's no other toys because you're surrounded by the sofa and the table exactly. and then two parents. So I can keep her kind of engaged like, "Let's do this again. Let's do this again." And you know, she's so she's very easygoing, so when I do redirect her, she doesn't get upset or cry. Yeah. yeah, she's very easily um redirected with clean up and with you know, let's do this again. She's pretty agreeable. Well that's fantastic. If she wasn't so agreeable, what are some things that you think you would do? And then I'll kinda of talk about that too. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but that's the thing, 'cause I can I can feel therapists who will say, that's great, but I'm working with a kid who just flips out every time I try to grab them. So what are some things that if she were to have just a complete meltdown and this were just a disaster, what do you think you would try beyond that? What, do you, what are some things you think you would try? Well, I already have a kid on my caseload like that, so I can tell you as that I wouldn't touch her at all because I don't touch this boy at all that I see and, and – um, so he kind of sits on mom's lap. So I definitely wouldn't right. touch her, and I would keep the interactions um, much shorter. So, um, like with this boy, we're working on lower your expectations. Yeah. So with this yeah. boy, we're building. Uh, I, you know, mom had gotten some blocks. So she said, "Well, I think these are going to be too too hard for him." I said, "Well, no. Let's just the goal is for him to knock it down." 
so right. I would build up the tower. I wouldn't even say anything, and I would say to mom, you know, like you ha- you have him knock it down. So he would knock it down, and you know, you re- we would reward him, and then I would give him a break. So right. l- much, 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 much lower um, expectations. Yeah, and you have to do that, and you have to figure out, okay, when is the when is the the tantrum or meltdown or whatever you want to call it when is that negative experience occurring and like you said you figured out well you can't touch that little boy Mm -hmm. or that kind of what sends him into orbit there are some kids who are doing who though will be in that kind of emotional dysregulation and then those sometimes kids respond great to being touched if you just kind of scoop them up so it really does depend on the kid and you know what yeah, and what I was going to say with that little girl, too, is if that had happened where she were really having lots of trouble and, and wasn't so easily redirected, you just have to go by trial and error and figure out, okay, what what makes when, when does she not cry? When does she not mm-hmm. have uh, this big overreaction? And then just kind of go with that. But a lot of that really is trial and error. So if a therapist is listening and you're thinking, well, I don't think this – quite applies just try different things and again you'll figure out hey you know maybe i should be in a smaller room instead of Uh couch configuration and that's why a lot of therapists immediately go to i'm going to belt them in the high chair and this is going to make them stay with me and for some kids that works but for most kids it just makes them way too mad and so Uh i do it the way that you've done it with just doing it with okay you're still you know, under your own physical control, you can still uh-huh. get up. You can still sort of have some freedom of movement here. I'm not going to tie you down, um, and, and that that some, that really helps kind of mediate that uh, that situation with some kids where they still feel like, okay, she's not completely dominating me here. I still have some free choice to stand up or sit down or move three feet this way or three feet that way, and that's okay. <laughs> Right, and some kids need that. They need that exit strategy. Like, okay, I know that even though she's asking me this, I can still run away. I can still get out of here. Right, right. You know, in that fight, flight, or freeze, I mean, that is a really natural reaction. And, again, we had that, we, I think we talked about this before, through our whole lifetime where when something is too hard for us, that that's just our, that's one of our natural responses. That's just how we're made. And so you have to really think about, flight okay this kid really her her go-to strategy when she doesn't understand something is just to get the heck out of there and so we have to sort of let her feel like she's doing that but contain it so that it's not disruptive for the rest of the session so right right and and it's also about a balance i mean you know you can't let them escape every time but then you also can't make them sit there the whole time and and not have that movement and that chance to run away for sensory reasons. Exactly. And kids just, you know, if you have a kid who looks like they're miserable, they are mm-hmm. miserable. Yes. <laughs> and they're not going to learn. They are. I mean, they're telling yeah. you right. this is torture. Yeah. Yeah. And so you have right. to really respect that. As You know, they are people. And, and you have to really think, okay, I have to treat them. You know, I have to respond to what they're doing. And I think a lot of times, especially with young kids, we just think, well, let's just, you know, put the hammer down on this and just crack down. When, when if we thought about, okay, how would I respond to this fight, flight, or freeze reaction with an older person, we would do completely different things. We would let them still have some freedom and let them still mm-hmm. make some 
voices, and sometimes we don't do that with little kids, and we should because mm-hmm. they are autonomous people. beings. And so, mm-hmm. Yeah, they're people. So we have to really yeah. think about that and think about, okay, how can I let her still feel like she won? Because that whole power right. struggle thing never works either, and with a kid like that, I mean, no. it's just, it's just going to battle the whole session and for kids like that i think why am i even here you know i am not right. going to fight you <laughs> right. over all of this you know this you're not learning anything when you are this dysregulated and so let me keep you calm and happy and then you'll be in the place where you can learn some of this and and have some different responses so we have to kind of think about that and sometimes parents get kind of heavy-handed with that kind of approach it doesn't sound like this has happened with this mom at all but some parents you know are really kind of sitting on their kids in therapy and you think boy let's lighten it up around here because who Mm -hmm. who even wants you know i don't even want to be here right now so right right i'm I'm looking to leave yeah yeah (laughs) yeah and i think sometimes parents think that because they think well this is so easy like what well who you know it's a tower you're asking him to knock it over it's it's this is easy he should he should already know how to do this and Sometimes you have to really talk to parents about, well, this is really hard for him. Like, you think it's easy as an adult in your 30s or 40s because it is easy for you. But for your child, you know, this is really a hard thing for them to learn to do. Yeah, And you and do have, have to, to really honor and respect that, that it, that it is a, that it is hard. You do because otherwise they would be doing it. They would yes. do it. You right. know, nobody would want to sit there. And I think sometimes, too, we misassign motives with a child, mm-hmm. we think they're doing this to be bad or to mm-hmm. get back at me or to be rebellious when really it's a skill deficit. It's not, right. uh, you know, it's not anything about behavior and emotions and that kind of thing. They really don't know how to stack the blocks. They do not have the motor right. control. They don't have the cognitive uh, skills. They're not cognitively, they don't understand. Yeah, they don't understand. Yeah. Why, what's the point of me stacking this block up? You know, they just don't right. get it. And right. so we have right. to really walk the kid and the parents through that process. So like you said, explaining that to parents is a really, really big part of what we do. Right, definitely, definitely. Oh, what else, Kendra? What else What else have you changed? What other, what other nice things are happening with this child? So the other thing that we really worked on is um, turn-taking. Mm-hmm. So we started off with just little, like, um, I think she had gone into my bag one time. Kids love my bag for some reason and gotten uh, receipts. So we did like that with receipts, really fast turn taking and crowns. And mom loved that activity and was doing that with her for weeks. So then I thought, okay, well, how can I change this into something more um, play-based? Okay, so tell me exactly what you did with that. So tell me me what you did with the receipts and the crayons. So tell me about that. So I'm sorry. So to back up, so she she took the receipts. So I just literally just grabbed them from her without saying anything, and then gave them right back to her, and then took them and gave them back to her. So it was like really fast turn taking, but with no words. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we did that with a couple of different um, objects, and I said to mom, "This would be a great thing for you to work on with her, with you know turn taking. Like now, I do something, yeah. you do something." I said, "But don't get." all caught up in the terminology of my my turn, it's your turn. I said, don't say anything, just, you know, grab it and then give it it back to her and just do it real fast, like a Band-Aid, rip it off. So mom loved that idea. Mom would do that in the food store, like she would push her in the cart and they would do it with car keys or receipts Mm -hmm. or anything, um, you know, while they were out and about in the community. And she loved that game and really started – 
doing well with that. I think actually with her cousin, they were on the step and taking turns um, jumping off of the step. So she's um, generalized that yeah activity into into real life, which is awesome. Yeah, so and let then me just, that is fantastic. Let me let me just interrupt you. For any parent who's not understanding why that's a big deal, turn taking conversation is turn taking. I say something, you say something. I say something, you say something. But we can't get that going with words, obviously, with a kid who isn't talking yet. We have to start way before that where they understand kind of that you do it, I do it, you do it, I do it. And like Kendra said, just those really simple routines where you are just trading objects where you give it, they give it back, you give it, they give it back. And, again, sometimes the words will prohibit a kid participating in that because then they're trying to process what you're saying and what you're doing. And so you make it simpler by not putting those words in there. And all kids who have difficulty, not okay, let me say this, not all kids, but a lot of kids who have difficulty with answering questions or with, or with letting somebody participate with them in play, the skill that's missing is that turn taking. They don't under they don't get that natural positive response from interacting with another person. And so we have to start super easy. Like you said, with just that give things back and forth. And that I, I love that example that you gave that mom said it's something she can do at the grocery store. She can do it mm-hmm. wherever and it keeps a kid engaged with you and interacting with you and it really forms the foundation for communicating. So just a little kind of education point. And for therapists who already know all that stuff, you need to be telling parents that with that same kind of explanation with this is why we work on this. And it really is something that I think is the simplest idea that not enough of us, we might be doing it in sessions, but we don't even realize that we're doing it. We're just doing it to kind of fill the time or whatever. And it is a valid goal and a valid strategy to be talking to parents about. So I love that you taught that mom that, and she's doing it a lot now. Yeah, and so it's and it's made a big impact because um, before she wasn't able to do puzzles and so we laid the foundation with um, turn-taking with, you know, scraps of paper and crayons and whatever, and then we started doing it with puzzles. And so I gave her the same, you know, the same instructions. I said, you hold all the pieces, and then, you know, you give her one to do, and then you put one in, and you do one and, you you know, give her one to do. I said, but again, don't say, no, it's your turn, my turn, your turn, my turn. I said, yeah. just give it to her, and you put yours in. Yeah. And again, it was just that that really fast turn taking. And she did really well with that. I want to say the first time we did that activity, she probably sat for a good 20 minutes and did puzzles, two puzzles. See, you met her where she was, and that's exactly that next full step that was missing. And look at what a good uh, duration of that activity. I mean, she she stayed with you. That was captivating to her because she figured out, aha, (laughs) this is where she is. This is Mm -hmm. right, right. Fantastic. That's so good. Yes. yes. So I know it was very exciting. It is exciting. It is. I didn't mean to move on too quickly, but no, has that's she okay. got some new words? Yeah, so she's um, up, and then uh-huh. she's, you, you can see, and again, I don't know if this is tied to her hearing loss, but you can see she's just at the point of saying go, and I don't know if she is saying it, Um and her hearing is getting in the way, not hearing loss, but the fluid. Right. But you can see right, her lips. Yeah. She's so, so close to saying it. But, um, yeah, 
She's saying wow, um, whoa, and up, and hi. Hi is very inconsistent. Well, they're all inconsistent. But so she's got words, which I think, you know, that's enough to make mom um, super happy. Exactly, and to really buy in. So if you look at all those things, those are really words that, well, first of all, little play sounds, and then words that are highly predictable in routines. Right. So things like I, yeah, is, you know, something that we say over and over and over all day long. So I think for that little girl thinking about verbal routines with what's repetitive enough so that she becomes familiar with it and expects it, I would I would do a ton of verbal routines with her, which I know that you're doing, like you said, you're doing Ready, Set, Go. I would really yeah. look at how you can use those routines from uh, play activity to play activity to play activity and also really incorporate that in daily routines so that she's getting enough of that repetition. Especially since you, yeah. you commented that that's one of the, when she runs away too during play is when something is brand new. So mm-hmm. for her, she needs that consistency and predictability. Right, definitely. Um, yeah, that that makes a huge difference. Yeah. Well, that is just fantastic, and this has only been five weeks. And so, again, as a parent, if you're thinking, "Oh, that's not enough in five weeks," yes, it that's is. That's a lot in five weeks. <laughs> And, you know, there are some kids who take off in a session or two, but truth be told, most of our caseload is like this. I mean, we really mm-hmm. have to get the strategies right and get the context right. And all these pieces that we've talked about, like move, sit, move, sit, and giving her what the, her little physical input that she needs and giving her enough repetition, you almost have to get all of those things in place before you're going to see one iota of progress, you know, you've, the adults have to do all of the work at the beginning to get the right combination, and then and only then we start to see some progress. My guess with her, I mean, do you what, do you think there's another diagnosis, Kendra? Besides, do, do you think besides the hearing being affected with the fluid, do you think there's something else going on? There's a part of me that does. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There's a part of me so, that does. Yeah, and so, you know, as a therapist, you have to kind of talk to moms about that, too, and I'm sure that you do, and this is for the benefit of other people. For So if you have a mom who's really excited, or as a parent, if a parent's listening and you think, oh, you know, hearing, oh, we're going to get her tubes, she's going to get a tube in her ear with the fluid and everything's going to be okay and she's just going to be spitting out the Declaration of Independence tomorrow and she's going to be singing all kinds of songs and we're going to sit and have these wonderful <laughs> heart-to-heart conversations. That does not happen. <laughs> No, it's a marathon. Yeah, it is a marathon, and that's a great way to explain it. You just have to keep going. And it will snowball, hopefully, over time. And you'll look back, you know, this has been a five-week period where she's gotten – you need some new words, and but you see significant improvements in her attention, or I would think, I would classify that as significant. significant oh, absolutely. In participation, and you just have to tell parents, okay, this all this stuff comes first. All of these foundational pieces are getting in place, and we're not going to hear more words until we get all of this taken care of. And then with that mom, and with moms who I feel like, okay, there's something going on besides the hearing, like we need to get that fixed, but 
you, know, you sort of walk moms through that and prepare them and say, well, I hope that we're going to see some big progress after this, but I'm still kind of concerned just because of these other little red flags. And I don't know if right. you can have that kind of conversation with that mom, but with some moms you can. You almost have to pull the reins back a little bit and say, gosh, I'm so excited. And I know that she's we're getting we're addressing her hearing, and that's fantastic, but we still have to keep – figuring out what's going on with her so we can get everything right. And there still may be other things that we, that we don't even know about her yet. So that mom ex- doesn't get so disappointed when there's not, you know, a big miracle. Um, yeah. The, the next day after she gets t- tubes, the next day she wakes up and thinks she's going to have a completely different child. And and she's kind of laid the groundwork for that as far as body parts go. You know, she'll she'll say to me and explain to me, like, you know, when I put the sock on her hand and then I say, oh, it, you know, and she laughs and then it doesn't go on there, it goes in your foot. And then she goes and she puts it on her foot. She said, I think she gets it. But then if I just went up to her now and said, where are your feet, she wouldn't point to them. And I, you know, so we've had that conversation where I've said it'll be interesting to see what happens with the hearing to see if that truly is the issue because right now she's responding to language but she needs the contextual cues to do that. She's right. she she needs that that support in order to be able to understand what it is you're saying to her and asking her to do. Yeah. And you're just that's a fantastic way to do it is to say I can't wait to see what's going to happen with that and then mm-hmm. really tie all the other information that mom has provided in and Really also pat mom on the back for noticing that and for coming up with she doesn't always understand immediately what I want her to do. And so that that's great. That's mm-hmm. great. Fantastic. Yeah, it's good stuff all around. <laughs> it is. Well, I love it anytime. And here's the truth. I'm so fortunate with when I have guests on, I hardly have anybody that comes back and says, that was horrible. There's not been one <laughs> change. You know. Well, oh, I'm so glad that doesn't happen. But it's so right. great to hear it. It's so reinforcing for not just my work and stuff, but for all therapists who are listening and all parents who are listening because we have to really hold on to if we make changes and stick to that and really give a good effort with I'm going to problem solve here and I'm going to set the you know establish this foundation and use some strategies and interventions and then and only then do I expect things to get better you know if we really take it on ourselves to do that hard work and and we're inspired when we hear what's happened with your little girl with you know, we talked about all of the different things that you could try, and then you didn't just talk about it. You went and you did it, and then you didn't just do it one time and say yes or no. You stayed with it over these past five weeks, and you and Mom have worked together with let's try this, let's try this. And I think your opening line, the email that you sent me about the show, you said, I completely threw out all the previous therapy activities and started over. That's huge, and therapists need to think about that, and parents too. With when when we're not getting the results we want with a kid, and if we've been doing the same thing for a long time, it is uh, most of us need to just stop and say, "What could I do differently?" I may need to start completely over, and a lot of times that's when we get the biggest bounce in a kid's progress when we just think, "Okay, what I've been doing was not 
what I should be doing because there have been no changes. Let me just go back to the drawing board and see where we can get. And it sounds like that was just the right thing to do for this little girl. Oh, it absolutely was because she, she's a totally different um, girl now in therapy. And, you know, it's rewarding not only for her but for mom and for me because nobody likes to go to therapy and not do well. I mean, that that's, you know, that's a negative experience and it, it makes nobody want to show up. Right. Absolutely. You know, and those are the visits that we dread, you know, when mm-hmm. we're getting ready in the morning and we think, oh, I have to see so-and-so today. And you think, well, he hasn't made any progress in three months. You think, I don't even want to go. I don't even want him to come. What am I? You know, and that's just a really human response. And I don't want to, any parents to flip out and think, oh, I can't believe that therapist would think that. But that's just normal. Some parents will say to me, I don't know how I can go on with this because this is so upsetting to me that we're we're getting nowhere. And so that's mm-hmm. just a really human reaction. And so we have to really, at that point, say, what am I going to do about this? How can I change this? And so I'm so glad it's worked out so well for her, Kendra, and I'm so glad you emailed me about that, and you've just been a delight. I've really enjoyed getting to know you. Oh, thank you. You too. These couple of shows. And so when is this little girl, do you see her past three, or how, how does that work in your state? Uh, no, I won't see her past three. So I'll be seeing her for quite a while, almost a whole, almost a whole other year, like 11 more months I'll have her. Okay, so this is what I want to ask you, Kendra. Will you be willing to come back on, let's say, in another eight weeks? Would you come back on and do another follow-up show and let us know, uh, say, mid-May, how she's doing? I would love to. Yeah, this has been so much fun. Absolutely. It has been a lot of fun. It has been a lot of fun to really kind of, I can't see her, and so I don't really know what she's doing, but it's so good and I, I, to be able to just, again, I'm not looking at her with my own eyes, but to talk about her and just get another perspective. And I know this has been so helpful for other therapists. I mean, not a day goes by when I do not get several emails in the course of the day that start out, I love your show, I want to ask you about this. And so please know, Kendra, by your participation that you have helped <laughs> <laughs> lots of parents and lots of therapists just by hearing your experience. And even if the situations aren't the same, we do just totally get inspired and feed off each other just by sharing experiences. Not only the success stories, but also the things that aren't quite working so great that you can go back and kind of modify and and tweak even more. So I can't wait to hear what happens with her. And so after the show, I'll send you an email and we'll book your next follow-up for, say, mid-May, and we'll see how that little girl is doing then. Yeah, that sounds great, and I can't thank you enough for this. I mean, you have created such a great um, community for the therapists and, and parents, and that's really every, you know, every we need this in order to have success oh. with these kids, and you've just created such a great safe space where you can ask questions and, and not feel, um, you know, stupid or you asked the wrong question or, oh, man, I really shouldn't have said that because she let me know how dumb I was. And so it's just great that you've created this um, this wonderful community with your show and with all your products. And I, I just, I love it. My, my kids always say, oh, you're listening to that lady again. <laughs> Because they know your voice. I know. They'll say, my husband said, can we please not hear her anymore today? (laughs) Or kids will, you know, that do not live in the South will blurt out, hey, you know, or something like that because their parents have listened to the podcast so much or their therapist. So, yeah, 
that that's pretty funny. So thank you for saying that, Kendra. Thank you so much for I, as most speech pathologists, we live on words. I never get tired yes. of praise. So yeah. thank you so much for saying that to me. It's I didn't expect you to say that, but boy, I just feel like I got just kind of a little virtual hug there. So thank you so much for uh, saying that. I really appreciate it. I really do. Oh, you're I'm welcome. Why? Well, thank you. I mean, it's been it's been great. Such a blessing. Oh. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. All right. Well, we're going to wrap it up for today. And is there anything else that you want to kind of part with? Any other any other thing that we didn't talk about before we jump off? Um, the only other thing that I didn't get a chance to talk about that I've been doing with her is so I've tried to incorporate errorless learning with the puzzles to see if she can, yeah. you know, like, okay, put in, you know, put in the um, the tiger or put in the ball, and that she's really struggling with. So auditory processing and receptive language, she's she's having yeah. a hard time. So you'll mm-hmm. know after after yeah. she gets her tubes if that's probably yeah. what's going to happen. Happen, you'll know yeah. If, yeah. Yeah, if kind of what's going on there. And you may have to incorporate some more visual strategies for her where everything is a little less dependent on language. And you'll be able right. to walk right. mom through that. Yeah. yeah. But you'll you'll know after her after her hearing kind of. So everything's kind of. On Dependent on that. Way. Yeah. 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 And hopefully yeah. with OT, and that was my suspicion too. That's why I was asking you, but do you think there's anything else going on? Because to me it sounds like hearing is going to be one piece of the puzzle. I think that she, I think you'll probably see a bump, but because all of these other things, these other little red flags, I, I think that may be one piece of what's going on with her, but not necessarily the full explanation. I, I, I don't think it is either. That's why I was kind of waiting yeah. to see what happens with the hearing before I proceed with the rest of the discussion with mom. I think so. You know, I don't want to put, think, the, put the cart before the horse. Exactly. And because this mom, again, already has such a full plate, you really don't mm-hmm. want to overwhelm her, especially when it's just still kind of a suspicion or a guess at this point. Right. You know, right. we don't have right. crystal balls when we look at kids, and sometimes parents think that we can look at a kid and know right away what's going on. That would be a big no. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. we have to really <laughs> get in there and see how they respond to different strategies and really dig in. And you've been with this little girl for a while, and it sounds like, you know, based on what you said, you're going to be with her for quite a while more. So I just can't yeah. wait to hear about her on uh a pretty consistent basis every couple months. We'll check back in and see what's happening. So I think this is going to be real fun. Oh, I can't wait. Yes, it will be. And thank you so much for everything. I appreciate it. Oh, you're so welcome. All right. Well, that's going to be it for today. I will email you, Kendra, and everybody listening, tune in in mid-May, and we'll get to hear the rest of the story. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Kendra. All right. Thanks. Take care. Bye.